This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 21st of January. And we're well in the year right now. And I'm wondering if my co-host is still as awake and uh, up to date as, uh, as always. Dave, are you <laughs> Yes, I'm here. <laughs> He's like reading my mind. <laughs> and this is welcome to part two of our uh, retrospective of 2019. Um, we actually had quite a, a lengthy discussion, and so we thought we'd uh, save our audience from uh, a mammoth episode and split it up into two nice Slightly more bite-sized chunks. It was kind of amazing, actually, because when we started planning this episode, uh, we were thinking, my God, I have no idea what to talk about. Did anything happen this year? And then we talked like yeah. almost two hours. <laughs> yeah. Turns out, <laughs> lots happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Unless you have anything else to add? No, let's get straight into it. Let's do it. I, I mean, I'm not quite sure how, how to even sort of broach this next subject, which is um, antitrust scrutiny. Um, you know, Google and Amazon, we've seen, you know, Facebook hitting the news. That, was that actually last year? Or was that the year before now? I, it's lose track of time how, how quickly these all these things have passed. But the amount of scrutiny that... Um, a lot of these organisations are now uh, are now under, and yet, really, I, I'm not sure that I think it has made any real difference in the way that people are consuming these services. I mean, maybe for Facebook, there was there was a, a good chunk of anti Facebook backlash, but beyond that. Um, I don't know that I've really, despite all the investigations, I don't know that I've really seen all that much of a of a real shift. I mean, GDPR came in early 2018, but have we have we really seen material changes through GDPR through 2019? I don't know that I would say that we had really. Well, I've had to click OK on a lot of websites, so that must be. Ah, uh, yeah. But um, it'll, it, yeah, well, the first fines have gone out. I guess uh, was it uh, Facebook that paid five billion dollar fine or something? But that wasn't even even GDP, GDPR related. I think it was US thing. No, that was the Cambridge Analytica uh, breach. Yeah, yeah. But the thing for me that's most uh, significant here is that it's not even news. It's like yeah, it happens. We accept it. I mean, when I look back to the, the 80s and the 90s and Microsoft had a big antitrust thing where they had to almost split up the company and had to put browsers mm. on Windows. I mean, you mm. couldn't read a newspaper without it having some kind of article on that. While for these yeah. things, this is the same scale, even bigger, I'd say, because uh, if you look at Microsoft in the 80s, it had a lot less uh, influence in your life, if I can call it that, than a Google, uh, Facebook, Amazon has today. And... If you're not really looking for articles on it, because this is one of the topics I thought we need to talk about this because it's really happening this year and I look for articles. I was able to find a couple, but it really wasn't newsworthy at all. It's like, yeah, it happened. Yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, as I say, it seems to be one of those things that people just, meh, accept that, yeah. And that's Crazy. so wrong. 
that's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, it's it's the masses that don't really. Is it is it education? Is it interest? Is it we need to have more doxing happening before people realize how bad this really is? I don't know. I mean, I think some of this is. I mean, I don't know whether it's people don't know or don't care. I suspect it's more that they they don't really understand the they they just see this free service that they get that they you know pour hours and hours of their lives into in some way shape or form whether that's whether that's you know facebook or whatever it might be um and they they just don't think about and maybe don't care about the the implications of of what that is because they don't see themselves they see themselves as being just a, a a tiny speck in the overall sort of moving cogs of the system but of course it's not about you know each sort of individual um really it's more about the sort of when you put all of these things together what do you get i don't know i don't know yeah it's it's weird i mean we're also uh, interested in our privacy and whenever the governments want something from you it's invading my privacy and it's such a double standard going on i mean Am I guilty as well? I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I have a profile there, but I put the profile yeah. there with the express intent that it would get data mined because basically LinkedIn yeah. today is how you find a new job. <laughs> yep. that, that's basically what this does, and that's what I use it for. I, You, of course, have a lot of uh, LinkedIn uh, messages uh, and articles out there for purely um, publicizing the podcast. I don't. I just see it as a very nice CV tool. Yeah, but in you know in a similar vein, if you've got um, if you've got a government requiring information of you, and and there's a complaint about well, it's invading our privacy. Whereas if you've got a tech company requiring data from you, you know they're they're delivering a a service in return. In the majority of cases, now you can debate the value or quality of that service. For again, you use the, the the common example, something like Facebook. But I think possibly some of the issues is that people are, at least in the back of their mind, um, maybe they're they're doing that trade off, and they're just sort of they're okay with that. I don't. Maybe it's not something they're thinking of consciously, but maybe subconsciously, it's mm-hmm. it's it's realised. I don't know. I don't know. Are we going to the nirvana where nobody has anything to hide anymore because we know everything of everybody anyway? Um, probably not. Because it's also happening without people actually knowing it. Because uh, I think uh, for the second half of this year, the EU has a new legislation out there that every car needs to be equipped with a, a SIM card. So they have the, the one-star kind of thing where if an accident happens, that it automatically alerts... Uh, um, yeah, uh, emergency, uh, emergency services. services. Thank you. That actually now is every car manufacturer that sells a car in Europe has to put that in there now, and you don't even know about yeah. this. It's not in the manual. It's not something you sign up for. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. And from that point of view, do we even have to talk about this anymore? Let's just accept it and move on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and let's do that. Let's move on to our, our next yeah, article of interest. Yeah, smaller subjects, I guess, now. I think we've gone to well, the, the end of the ones. internet. 
<laughs> yes, I put it there. The, in- the internet is now, and it's all due to Russia, of course. Well, no, because China I mean, was first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it, it's this is the the idea around uh, various nation states creating their own basically separate segregated internet. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, China. China started off first with the Great Great Firewall of China, mm-hmm. um, and you know, putting all the focus on internal, um, therefore policed and regulated websites. Um, and Russia has been uh, testing its own um, unplugged internet uh, or domestic internet. Um, yeah, it, it's oh, it's a kind of for me as someone who has seen the internet grow from from nothing to where it is now mm. i i just i cannot imagine what life would be like with a completely <laughs> separated segregated uh, internet you know only with one population or set of people on it that just it just feels like something that um that just cannot be a good thing surely yeah, I mean, it's it's a kind of censorship. That's basically what it is. And if you look at how technology has advanced in leaps and bounds in the last decade, well, decades, I don't see that happening without something like the internet being there. I mean, we've had the, again, referring to our uh, distributed working uh, episodes we had with uh, Rodolphe, Rodolphe a couple of, uh, last month, the whole mm-hmm. idea of having companies making really game-changing things is because you can pool talent from everywhere and get yeah. information and, yeah, technology, documentation, have discussions with people you would never meet without something like the internet. Because the internet is more than just www, right? It's things like yep. uh, VoIP, like cameras, uh, just having email. is also part of the internet. It's all on the same backbone. And having this thing like cut up, I mean, for me, this is a reaction to a problem that has been created by those uh, states. Because basically, we're talking about the Russian net in this case, the RUNET, which is uh, Putin's attempt at making his own little private internet in Russia. Why is he doing this? Well, to avoid hack attempts from other nation states. Well, if the nation states would stop hacking each other, we wouldn't need separate internet (laughs) anymore. That's a lot cheaper, Mr. Putin, Mr. Uh, Who's the boss in China these days? I don't know. My God, I'm stupid. Well, anyway, Mr. Mr. Big Chinese person, uh, stop doing the spying and you don't need to have your own internet. That's a lot of, that's a, that's a cost saving there of billions of dollars or yen or rubles. Did I just save the world? Did I just make world peace? I mean, it, it's one it's one step to uh, to have the the idea. It's a different step to implement it. But yeah, sure. Because that's the second thing, right? How how well does this actually work? Because I know in China VPNs are very prevalent, and yes, it's a crime to do it. But it's also a thing about how easy is it to catch somebody using it, right? And Russia is yeah. probably going to go the same way. So can you actually still can you put the genie back into the bottle, basically? And if you try, how long will the population accept it? Because if you look at China, they're really becoming, uh, I mean, you have industrialized, they're the past industrialized, they're becoming high tech now. Then the amount of cars being registered in China, the amount of smartphones there is is huge. How long can China still keep this net around it? I don't know. Will the people people prevail? (laughs) 
This is, yeah. getting, this is becoming I mean, a really revolutionary podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the other thing is that if you think about the the world, you know, zooming out even further, if you think about the world population, I mean, it's uh, actually only around 50% of people in the world are online at the moment. Mm-hmm. So how how will the internet change as that remaining 50% start to come online as internet access becomes more and more affordable, more and more available um, to, to that remaining 50% that, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't even imagine what a, um, you know, a doubling of, um, you know, people on the internet would, would look like or how that would present itself. Yeah, it's actually a good point because if you look at Africa, in Africa, uh, I've been told, I don't live there, so please do tell me if I'm wrong, but I've been told that in Africa, internet equals Facebook. So maybe yeah. this segregation of internets, not by nation states, but by commercial organizations, is also happening in parallel with the nation states doing it. So will we actually get this world of separate networks that are connected through gateways here and there, which can be closed off and on? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But you're right, we're only half there. Yep. All right. Anyway, moving on, uh, and we don't quite get to um, talk about your very, very favorite topic of blockchain, although <laughs> I think this is cryptocurrency, so it's related. But uh, yeah, Libra apparently dead. Yeah, basically, I, would, I, I think we need to talk about cryptocurrency because it's still something that's going on in uh, how to call it? Bitcoin is still around. It's still going up and mm-hmm. down and up and down and up and down. Repeat at infinitum. Uh, but I do think it's significant that uh, Libra being the first, uh, let's call it organized crime, sorry, organized uh, way of a, a <laughs> <laughs> of getting a crypto coin to the masses um, didn't happen. And there's an article last week only now that uh, uh, Libra was going to be incorporated in Switzerland. And apparently some big country in Switzerland has uh, decided that, uh, let's not go there anyway. It's been uh, already EU and the US have said Libra will not be valid here. I think Africa also had a problem with it. So I don't know. Is this a good or a bad thing? Basically, that's the question I'm asking. Because on the one hand, uh, I don't like banks any more than the next person does, unless if you're working for a bank or are the president of a bank, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But well, I mean, when when Bitcoin uh, started at the beginnings, there the whole idea was the uh, let's call it the hippie movement of no more banks. We'll just do this whole barter system based on cryptocurrency, and we don't need banks anymore. Uh, things didn't really work out that way. Uh, I think yeah. bitcoins and cryptocurrency have been a massive influence on the ransomware and data breaches, because without something like this, a ransomware would be very hard to 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 make work, because you need a way of giving money and having uh, unnumbered, uh, unserial numbered bills in plain plain brown back envelopes sent over the internet still doesn't work. Cryptocurrency kind of makes this possible. Is there still a chance in hell that uh, crypto coins leave the dark side of the force? They were still in Star Wars time, so. (laughs) (laughs) I I really don't, I, I don't know, because while you have something that is still 
I mean, essentially unregulated uh, for all intents and purposes. You know, one of the, you know, love them or hate them, at least banks, there is there is regulation around them to make sure that, you know, bad things should not happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, even just a couple of days ago, there was a quite an interesting article, I will see if I can dig it out again, um, of a, a, a story where they're, they're sort of trying to track down the, the sort of missing... Uh, millions of dollars from a collapsed um, cryptocurrency exchange, for example, which you know that should never happen in a in a you know a regulated environment, but you know cryptocurrency is still very much the wild west right now. It's I don't know. I don't think I see anything on the horizon. That looks like this space is going to change significantly. Uh. I, I any time in the near future. I hope you're wrong, because when you say it's the Wild West, it still has a positive connotation. But for I've been trying to look at cryptocurrency in a way, is there still something benign, something worthwhile there? Yes, if you're uh, speculating on the value, then you can make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. That can be good or bad. Uh, if you're a criminal doing ransomware, it's the way you get paid your, 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 fi- your, your, your fine, or what you call that, your, your, your loot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are not benign things. Is there still anything benign that can come out of this? Again, Libra, for, for all the good or bad uh, Facebook around it may do, was a way of legitimizing it, perhaps, because they were going to be incorporated in Switzerland, there's going to be regulation around it, blah, blah, blah. Still, it's mm-hmm. flown, it didn't even get off the ground. I mean, the moment it became public knowledge that it was happening, uh, public opinion kind of made sure that all the big boys stopped <laughs> being associated with it. So is there anything redeeming on crypto coins in general today? I don't know. I, I can't find anything. No. So why is it still Nothing. here? <sighs> because people. Yeah, probably. Because geeks. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yon is finally right, and <laughs> at last, uh, call centers are closing and being replaced by chatbots and voice AI. And this is this is your prediction from two years ago, I think. Sorry, I think in the meantime, <laughs> yeah, probably now. <laughs> but anyway, it's finally happened. Told you I was right. And not totally unrelated to this is that there's a law going to effect in the US uh, this week, I think, starts for 1st of January, to make sure that robo-dialing services have to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> of course, call centers do two things. They do your uh, support uh, services, and they also call and you at the middle the of the night to sell you aluminum siding or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yes, I'm finally right. Am I happy about that? Not in the slightest. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about it here, but it's something I've been predicting for years now. Yeah. Just put it in there. I, 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 I told you so, basically. You feel, you feel vindicated, <laughs> basically. Fair enough. Fair enough. But thank you for allowing oh. me this little moment of uh, sunshine. You're very welcome, of course. So... <laughs> Next topic, not to uh, not to allow Jon's head to swell too much. We Good. need to move on. Um, buyouts, mergers, acquisitions, all of the above. It's been a busy, 
busy year, I think it's fair to say. We've already touched on the, the Cloudera and Hortonworks merger and, uh, and MAPAR. But, you know, Broadcom and Symantec, um, Salesforce acquiring Tableau, HPE acquiring the remnants of MAPAR, but also acquiring Cray. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's kind of slightly strange, you're looking at HPE, you know, despite some fairly notable acquisitions, there's very little growth actually happening with HP. It's fairly sort of steady state. So that I would think is a little bit worrying. Well, it sounds like they're buying mostly IP and patents. And maybe HPE's big term vision has become a patent troll. I don't know. (laughs) God. Um, (laughs) Moving on. And I mean, VMware, I think, is is the one that seems to be eating everything. So, you know, they acquired, and that's just just this year, Pivotal, Carbon Black, Intrinsic, Veriflow, Yohana, Bitfusion.io, Avi Networks, Bitnami, and Etherpal. Um, I mean, some of these I hadn't even heard of before they acquired them. And, you know, knowing, knowing a, f- a little bit of information about a couple of those, um, including some folks that, that work at some of those places, you know, I know that the some of them were were kind of acquihires, and some of them were you know a mixture of acquihire and, and IP and business. But I mean, that's a lot of different areas that that VMware slash you know Dell, depending on your view of of, of life, have been kind of sort of dipping into. I, I mean, one of the um, one of the early conversations I had with. Um, a very opinionated leader I once worked for was that when companies start um, just acquiring other companies really rapidly, it basically means they've run out of ideas. They've run out of their own <laughs> innovation, and like all they're doing now is just acquiring. They they can't they can't have their own thoughts anymore, so they just need to acquire them. Now he was a bit of a interesting individual, so I'm not sure I hold that. Uh, in, in too much stead, but it is it is kind of an interesting pattern in that there's so many acquisitions across, you know, a fairly wide range of technologies, um, you know, all reasonably aligned, sure, but there's it, it's it's not like they're putting all of their eggs in one basket here. There's there's a reasonable kind of diversity um, in their acquisitions. Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, to what your your uh, colleague says there, I do think there's some truth in there, obviously. But um, I know one thing that strikes me in this list is that uh, security does become important because Symantec being mm-hmm. bought by Broadcom basically means, I hope, infusing networks uh, or software-defined networks with uh, security from the get-go would be nice. We'll see yep. if that actually happens. Yep. Uh, Carbon Black being bought by VMware, which, if I look at the list of the buyouts they did, is trying to make a, how do you call that, super pivotal, a super platform where things can run, also with intrinsic mm-hmm. uh, security in there. So I can see how security firms get gobbled up for things. Yeah. Is this yeah. a good thing? I'm not sure. Because this also means Semantic is bought by Broadcom, which means that you probably will not be able to install Semantic on your PC in the next five or ten years, because why would Broadcom be interested in making Windows software unless it's to manage their own uh, systems? 
uh, Carbon Black, one of the, if I'm not mistaken, one of the bigger uh, endpoint security firms out there alongside yeah. Endgame and CrowdStrike, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, is this VMware gobbling it up and we'll never hear from it again? I would not be um, surprised by that. And all in all, that's actually making the environment poorer because, again, lesser, uh, less um, competition means less innovation, means less uh, value add to us poor consumers. Um, now, looking at the VMware thing, as I said, they're looking at making themselves a platform company, and that doesn't surprise me because, on the one hand, yes, it's probably a thing of uh, we can't invent it anymore, so we have to buy it somewhere else. But I don't would not be surprised that VMware has an existential problem today because they basically are on-prem cloud. And yep. considering what we've talked about in the the, the well <laughs> past hour and more. <laughs> Wow. Uh, cloud is becoming the normal. Uh, who needs VMware anymore? Well, apparently VMware has decided for themselves nobody needs VMware anymore. And they need to do more, at least become valid or, or relevant in other parts. VMware already has their layer on uh, AWS, AWS, and on Azure, where you can have a VMware cluster in the public cloud, which to me makes no sense at all but that's just me <laughs> um, and now they're looking at making their uh, environments uh, easy to use with things like Pivotal secure with Carbon Black uh, Bitnami is also a kind of is that a CICD kind of thing is that how I should look at them this um, ish not quite, but yeah, but in that, in that sort of vein let's say sure uh, deploying software in easy fashions, let's say, yeah, managing yeah, yeah. things. So they're really looking at that part of it. And I could see, yeah, I mean, if your VMware and your hypervisor is no longer relevant, then you need to find something else, I guess. Yeah. So for yeah, VMware, yeah, I kind of fair. see what they're doing. There's some 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 thread I can follow there. HPE, on the other hand, I have no idea what the guys are doing. I mean, the one thing I can now say is that Silicon Graphics are gray together again because everything that was Silicon Graphics <laughs> and gray once <laughs> is now being bought by HPE in four or five uh, consecutive acquisitions, I think. Yeah. Uh, as you say as well, yeah, I mean, they make nice laptops. I just bought a little laptop from HPE. I, I'm pretty happy with it. But apart from that, I don't really see them as a high-end computing power anymore which is strange because they do have a big chunk of the super computing out there with cray in there but i don't know uh not anymore really i mean if you look at the if you look at the top um the top 500 now it's like lenovo believe it or not is actually the, yep. the number one um super micro number of, two of the top <laughs> Um, I don't know, but I know Lenovo has more of the, a significant chunk more of the top 500 supercomputers are Lenovo powered mm. compared to anybody else. But yeah, Cray is way, 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 way down on the list. Which is weird. I mean, looking at what, what they, where they came from. I mean, but yeah, there's no well, R&D anymore, right? Cluster rule times, rule. times have moved on. Yeah, times moved on. So speaking of time moving on, we <laughs> we sort of we move we move forward into the the section of uh, of this uh, somewhat lengthy discussion around you know where we think things are going to go in the future and uh, listeners that have been uh, listening to us ramble for the last however long it's been and this is probably a two parter so <laughs> you'll be glad to know that this is 
a lot shorter than the previous discussion. <laughs> oh, yes. We probably had a couple so, of uh, predictions happening in the, in the discussion already. Exactly, so. exactly. But uh, I think one of the things that is interesting to at least um, have a brief conversation or brief discussion around is, you know, the, we've, we've gone from, from more specifically around data in towards, uh, you know, tech, bite-sized big tech. Where, where, where might we go in the future? Any thoughts, any ideas? Uh, you just snuck that in there without me seeing it, right? So I have no I time did. to predict, so to prepare for this I did. One. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well-being, Zen, Feng Shui. <laughs> oh dear! I, I, I was yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, if it, if it's based on our interests, I'm currently spending a lot of time and effort uh, log splitting. So maybe maybe an outdoors channel or He's a cabin in the yeah cabin in the woods channel. Um, all these things are possible. So who knows? Uh, well, looking maybe more seriously, if I'm looking at what my what interests me, the books I'm reading, the, the things I'm looking at when I'm not talking to other people, but talking to myself, um, I'd say quantum computing mostly. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. not something that's going to be valid or relevant next year or the year after, but 2030? Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, if you have a little bit of background in quantum technology at that point, um, you'll be sitting pretty just as if you're a data scientist today. Brilliant. That's well, there we go. 2030, going. the year of quantum computing. Jan's <laughs> latest, latest <laughs> prediction. <laughs> and it's on tape, so... Mm. Yeah, so, there so, we go. Recorded. Uh, except for um, the log splitting. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. I think that... I, I think we will possibly... Or I will possibly start to look more towards... Um, more towards the softer side of things, so more towards visualization and how people are consuming a lot of the data more than the underlying tech. I, I'm finding that more and more interesting um, as 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 time's going on. But beyond that, I really don't know. There's there's so much going on. I mean, just reflecting on the the variety of things, and you know, giving Yon all all due credit, he. He put together the the structure for for this um, and the outline for for this episode. So the the sheer variety of stuff that has caught our interest over last year, uh, I almost I don't I really can't imagine where you know the uh, twelve months from now you know the, the the variety of things that we'll be talking about. I, I I'm I'm imagining the the breadth will be even even wider. So yeah, I think I think the uh, the number of things that we continue to be interested in is it will continue to diversify and mm. hopefully continue to be interesting to other people. Yeah. And to give you a perfect segue at the moment, I'm reading a book on Kubernetes. Ah, well, <laughs> and uh, as, as the perfect joiner to that, um, you know, I think this is the year where we wave goodbye to uh, the Hadoop summit. I don't think we will or data work summit as it became, my understanding is that uh, that will not be uh, something that happens again. Well, the SSL certificate um, of the website has expired. So if you go to the, the, the Dataworks Summit website now, you will get, well, Chrome won't even let you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, you know, I've been now to a, a couple of the KubeCon events 
And uh, the next one is in Amsterdam, only a stone's throw from where Jon is based. And uh, I'll be there anyway. So, uh, yeah, KubeCon, here we come. Um, it's it's one of the... We've covered it on previous episodes, mm. but it just feels like one of these um, events that uh, is, is really a, an epicenter of, of, of so many different things right now. It's not just about kubernetes specifically but it's also um the you know cloud native mm-hmm. uh, forum too, right? as well yeah. so it, it's it's a, an interesting exciting space and yeah. uh, we hope to be covering it in more depth yeah because also a bit of for the podcast itself we, i always enjoy doing the hadoop summit and DataWorks summit coverages i mean we don't want to do a, 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 an event every month or something because that's way too too yeah resource intensive let's call it that uh, but having one event we cover year after year, it's, it was kind of fun. It kind of gave us a, a yeah. way of grounding ourselves a little bit, I guess. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so. with a bit of luck, we are con- we're discussing this with the KubeCon people at the moment. So with a bit of luck, we will be covering this one this year in Amsterdam. And uh, if all goes well, well, we might have found a little, uh, little place to call home in the event sphere. Indeed. So, next up... Yeah, this is um, maybe I'll, I'll talk about this one because this is my prediction yeah, go for, for next year. I've, I've tried, I mean, as with my chatbots, I, I'm always right with my predictions. So, uh, this one about... <laughs> <Eventually>. <laughs> <laughs> Tre- trending towards being don't, right. Don't go analyzing it in detail. It's just... <laughs> I'm predicting sure. that the OSS licensing problem isn't going to get solved this year, but we will have something major going boom somewhere, which makes it uh, unavoidable in the next year. So it won't get solved. We won't have a solution for it yet, but it will become, yeah, unavoidable. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious as to what what do you think might go boom? What do you think is might be the 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 catalyst that? could change things forever um i don't know it could be on the one hand uh, a major uh, lawsuit happening somewhere uh, amazon getting fined a lot of money or being forced by some government to be split up i don't think those are going to happen but yeah that's the kind of direction i'm looking at or maybe mm-hmm. a certain uh, open source thing saying okay if it's like this we'll just shutting up shutting up shutting down shop uh, everything that wasn't open source now is buried. Nobody can use it anymore. Screw you all. Yeah. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah, just people getting fed up and saying enough is enough. And I'm not entirely sure yeah. how it's going to happen, but looking at how it happened, uh, what happened last year, it's it's reaching boiling point. Something's gonna go, something yeah. has to go boom sometime. And I do believe this year it's going to happen. Not getting solved, but getting boom. <laughs> A good boom is good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So next up, uh, I think, is is possibly the safest um, <laughs> prediction so far, which starts off with cloud will get bigger. <laughs> um, yes, I think is the answer to that. Um, although you make an interesting point that you, you believe that the real quote unquote savings uh, are gone and you know no more early, early adopter benefits for you. Yeah. Do you think, so hit question for you is, do you actually think that there were savings, real savings for people even early on or were the savings something that was, that were always a little bit on the ephemeral side, uh, pun intended? 
Well, there weren't savings at all. There were actually extra uh, expenses, but they were able to allow you to stave off big initial expenses. You didn't mm-hmm. have to buy a computer farm to start Uber. You could just start it on Amazon and grow as you go. So in those days, five years ago, that was perceived as a saving right now in operating expenses this month. I don't have to spend a million dollars buying a computer farm. I can just spend $10,000 renting this stuff on the cloud. That's not longer happening because nobody in this right mind is buy, buying a $10 million computer farm starting a, a thing anymore. It's happening in the cloud already. So the whole perceived savings are gone. It's just business as normal now. So, And the the, the perverse thing about that is, is that the... The, the 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 how do you call that the, the tech 2.0 unicorns that happened out of nowhere because we're able to leverage the cloud and make something out of nothing they're no longer unicorns that's just how you do it so yeah. that's how it changes that's what i meant with uh the early adopter benefits are gone because everybody now is on the cloud so there is no early adopter on the yeah. cloud anymore yep no that makes sense makes sense Fair enough. I, I have nothing to add to that uh, eloquent summary. So moving on, um, I think this one is unlikely. I'm, but I'm, I don't know. And I wrote this one. I was thinking, should I put this in there? Because, well, but on the other hand, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens. Yeah. So the, the prediction to let the, the rest of the audience in on to it <laughs> is uh, Cloudera gets bought probably by HPE and I added slash VMware, uh, who buys everything at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly never thought that uh, anybody would, would uh, acquire uh, MapR, but I guess if, if the price is becomes pocket change then you know yeah. it's a it's a patent thing at that moment right because basically what did they yeah. buy from mapr they didn't buy any of the people none of the intelligence they only bought the ip and yeah, the question the i'm asking myself IP. and uh, we talked about Lodera in the in the past already i mean we had to stay away a little bit then yeah. we still were and that's very much attached to the space but now we can be a bit more free about it but Cladera uh, yeah. needed to prove their relevance this year definitely in the second half of this year and I am not convinced they actually have. And if they get bought, they'll be the last of those uh, big data uh, poster boys, girls, beings that disappears. So that, yeah, I mean, the, the, we sort of, I I had a quick look at this and it, I mean, they, they are, I would agree that I don't think that they've totally proven themselves, the, the new cloud era, but, they do seem to be, you know, looking at share prices, they do seem to be growing steadily, but they seem to be, and so they do seem to be on a slow road to recovery, but it's a very slow road. So even, you know, assuming that they continue their current rate of success and growth, it'll still be another year and a half before they get back to basically their their peak at the initial, um, you know, within a month or so of their initial uh, IPO. So, I mean, uh, to spend another year and a half to get back to what effectively is zero, or it's not zero because it's uh, substantially above that, but... I, d- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where the future lies for, yeah. for those and, folks at the moment. And I lived this. I mean, I worked at Silicon Graphics for 13 years. And so I yeah. lived through the demise of, uh, of, of, of Silicon Graphics becoming irrelevant completely. 
And yeah. if it felt the same way where the stock price, they went uh, chapter 11 three times, so they went penny stock, yeah. uh, had a new stock ticker up, went penny stock again. Um, you re- I mean, a Microsoft or an IBM, they can reinvent themselves over a 20-year period. They have that yeah. mass, they're near unstoppable, let's say, just from the mass yeah. size of it. Cloudera is very small, and they need to have something, some... And we're picking on Cloudera here, not because it's Cloudera, not at all. It's again, it's the remaining poster child for the big data movement that I have, so that's why they're near to my heart. And yeah, uh, it, I'll be saddened if an HPE or VMware or anybody else for that matter gets uh, their claws into them. But um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not predicting it in the fact that it's going to happen definitely, but more of a if this happens, I'm going to nod my head and say, yeah. We knew them well. Yep. So, final predictions. Um, <laughs> people will still click on that link in the email, especially if it has a cat pick. Um, there, there's so much that still needs to be done on user education for um, phishing attempts and everything like that. And I, I do think that services have got better at identifying phishing attempts. So there's a lot, you know, if you're if you're using Gmail and you receive a phishing email, in the majority of cases they get caught and flagged. Um, you know, are you are you sure? Especially if you're using Gmail for corporate purposes and someone spams you pretending that they're the CEO, please give me your phone number immediately. <laughs> um, there's a lot of those things floating around and Gmail does a pretty good job of flagging that with big warning signs. And I think a combination of continued user education and better work at the sort of at the system side of things. I'm more um, pessimistic than that, because in my opinion, the bad guys will evolve more rapidly than the good guys. And I mean, yes, that link in the email, that gets flagged, but that macro in an Excel sheet that's embedded in your email, that doesn't get flagged unless you're using the really state-of-the-art stuff, which almost nobody does today. Mm-hmm. And that's today, I mean, if you, if for people who are in the security space, look at the attack MITRE, the MITRE attack framework, sorry. And yes. you can actually see how sophisticated those intrusion vectors actually have, have, have grown. I mean, you've been in the security yep. space for a while. With my new job, I'm also more uh, elastic kind of bought uh, Endgame a couple of months ago. And mm-hmm. we're also being force-fed uh, security stuff now. So my eyes have been opened, let's say. I thought I was aware <laughs> of things. My God. <laughs> yeah, I know. The good guys. It's a particularly scary world. It's very yeah. scary. Yeah, I mean the 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 fact is that you own the the good guys have to get it right um, every single time. The bad guys only need to get it right once, and they have the yeah. data they need, the breach they need, the and they have a a, a huge audience of 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 candidates uh, that they can yeah potential victims that they can. Uh, they can strike against. So it, it's it's always going to be uh, in the um, on the side attackers, of the attackers yeah. in this space. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that will always be the challenge. And the final prediction that uh, that Jan added was that I will not get fiber. <laughs> so I look forward to proving him wrong, even though it has been over a year and I still have no fiber. But maybe maybe twenty twenty. Is this Brexit? Maybe related? this is the decade. 
Shut up. <laughs> Maybe 2020 will be the decade where I finally get fibre. Anyway. I'll with pop that, the notes. I will get fibre next year, so. God damn you. The cable is in Any, front of well, the door now. So it's going to take a whole year for them to get the cable from, <laughs> the from your centimeter. door to your office. <laughs> <laughs> used to be the last mile that took a long time. Now it's the last centimetre. Hey, anyway, anything else from you, sir? No, I think we did the year justice with uh, over an hour and a half of uh, rambling from both you and me. So unless you mm-hmm. have anything else to add... I think that's all from me. Then that's all the time we have for 2019. You can still support this podcast. You can become a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. Like, subscribe, ring notification bell. Do all the YouTube stuff that uh, Dave has fought so hard for. You can go to www.roaringalpha.org. You can find a link to the Patreon page, information about podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter using the Loopcast tag. You can also send email with your feedback, uh, positive or negative. We enjoy it all to podcast at roaringalpha.org. Until next time, my name is John. And my name is Dave. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Have a good year. See you then.